Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, hosted by co-site experts Lucas Johnson and Christopher Klein. Everybody, welcome back to our podcast. We got Jonathan back again. Jonathan, you are getting close to 10 appearances. I don't think you're there yet, but you are at least past five by now. And of course, we got Chris and Uriah here. And before we get in with Jonathan, Uriah has to have his little moment of shine. So go ahead, take it away, bud. All right, guys. So I'm on Twitter. I don't have as many followers as you guys. But I am Twitter famous for like 24 hours. You guys will never guess who quote tweeted me. It's a player from the Sixers, a big time player from the Sixers. Take a guess who it was. Grant Riller. Oh, God. No. Paul. Fork on Corkmaz. You guys are horrible. You guys didn't even say Embiid. You don't think Embiid would be interested in what I have? To well, I think Cork on Fork on Corkmaz is the best. That's why I always oh give him God. so much crap when I write, give, give him you, articles. I'll, I'll give you guys another hint. He's the Ben highest. Simmons. He's the. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> Jonathan! I'm about to kick you off right now. <laughs> He's the highest paid player on the team. Okay, I'm I'm gonna stop playing coy. Is it Tobias Harris? It's Tobias. Harris, Chris's favorite player. Let me give you a quick rundown of how it went. I might write an article about it. But anyway, so uh, I go on Twitter and I see that someone tweeted something out about how uh, Boban Marjanovic is now besties with Luka. So I saw it and I was like, man, let me me put a a GIF out there. So I found one of the goldfish commercial with Boban and and Toby. Uh, Basically, it was the one where he grabbed the bag of goldfish and he put his hand and ripped out the goldfish. And I said, this is... Tobias's heart and Tobias saw that and he quote tweeted it so I'm kind of famous guys woo, woo. this is on the same level of Lucas getting a tweet liked by Isaiah Thomas this is this is facts yep all we're waiting now is for Chris you'll get there one day Chris I'm pretty sure Chris you've gotten somebody liking like a pro player talk You've gotten one before, right? Just not since we've done the podcast, right? Uh, not that I know of or remember. Oh, I thought you did. Okay. <laughs> well, you'll get there one day, buddy. Yeah, we'll see. You just gotta interact and you know, you know, make them laugh or you know, just compliment them. <laughs> yeah, that's true. All right, mm-hmm. we're gonna jump in now. We're gonna talk about the Sixers. We're not gonna talk about Tobias, unfortunately. Because uh, we have to talk about the second highest paid player on the team. Who might been, not get paid. Who might not get paid. <laughs> um, ben Simmons, who, according to Adrian Wojnarowski, who confirmed like 37 other reports, is going to hold out a training camp, take this the distance if he has to. He's going to take the fines. He's going to do all that stuff. He's not going to show up. He doesn't want to play for the Sixers ever again, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Stuff we mostly knew, but now that Woj is in and out, it's sort of like certified in cement official. Uh, so, John, we'll go to you first, man. What what stands out to you about that Woj report? What were your feelings when you saw it? Where are you at? I think we kind of knew this. Keith Pompey reported on this like three weeks ago so the recirculation of the story just kind of had me a little frustrated like either um Woj just decided to re-put this out or Clutch Sports was 
in contact with him, kind of letting him know, like confirming it to him, saying this is the scoop, and then it leads off Sports Center again now. So, I mean, I didn't learn anything new, but it's just kind of seems to me like Ben's camp is pushing a lot harder. Te- technically, if we want to go back even further, Jonathan, we could say that Kendrick Perkins reported this first, but um, that's not the point here. The only thing that I would say that I, I mean, we kind of suspected that Ben would hold out for a long time, but, you know, Woj officially said that, you know, he would be willing to sell out the whole season. And I mean, we kind of suspected that that might, that might happen, but, you know, it wasn't really iterated to us in that regard until this time. So I guess that would be the quote unquote new thing, but was I surprised? Nah. Nah. I was like, okay, well, that's kind of, you know, okay. That's let's let's keep on going, guys. That's that's nothing new to me. Yeah, I mean that's that's where I'm at. It really didn't throw me for a loop or anything. We all knew this was coming. We all it pretty much had already come. I don't know what else to say about it. It's kind of annoying at this point. I'm looking forward to a trade so we can stop talking about Ben. It'll be a weight lifted off our shoulders. But you know he's, I guess, sticking to his convictions sort of and he's gonna do this thing and it's gonna be awkward and annoying and uncomfortable for however long it lasts from here on out you know media day is on monday so everyone's gonna get a question about ben i'm sure and some people are gonna dance around it some people might not dance around it so much be interesting to see how that goes but john for you what what's the worst case scenario for this ben thing what's the worst possible way for this to play out? Yeah, I think the worst possible case is, is them just feeling like the pressure's on and they have to make whatever deal's available prior to the season and get Ben out so that he isn't causing issues with the team or causing drama around a holdout. And I really don't think that's likely because I think Daryl Morey is extremely good at his job and he's patient and can wait this out. But I think that would be the worst case. Well, the worst case scenario, I guess, would be that, yeah, he sits out the whole season. And the only other recent time that we've seen a pro athlete do this period in the last, like, probably, like, 10 or so years would be Le'Veon Bell from the, form, you know, formerly of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then he, you know, he went to the Jets and he wasn't nearly himself. Um, it was a gamble that he lost. I don't think this is a good gamble for Ben. Not necessarily from, you know, his his skill diminishing, but just his overall, like, this is this is going to smear his legacy. Like, let's let, let's not think about the Sixers for a second. Let's think about Ben. This is smearing his legacy. Like, this is always going to be a part of his legacy. And the fact that it, it, it makes him look like a diva. It makes well, him look like a diva. And Chris, I understand. I know. I know what you're going to say. Oh well, Philly threw him under the bus. You know this or that. You know. No. Tried... Like I'm going to say it's smearing his legacy in Philly. I don't think it's smearing his legacy quite as much outside of Philly. Like you know, there are guys who certainly are taking the side of Philly's fans and are like, "Hey Ben, what are you doing, man?" But I mean, once he gets to a new team, there's a pretty decent chance that he's going to look as good or better than he did in Philly. That fan base is going to get behind him, like Philly's fan base did once upon a time, and like, like, I'm sure he's betting that that's going to improve his legacy over like sticking around in Philly, where he's like universally hated at this point. But mm-hmm. fair or not, uh, there's obviously reasons that everyone hates him. Yeah, like he's he's kind of reached the end of the road in Philly, I think. Yeah. So I, I there's no I coming back from it. this. Like I, yeah, I understand why he wants out. Yeah. Um. And I guess the best case scenario is, you know, like, I'm going to take the road of this. Even if Ben Simmons does sit out, I talked to Uriah before either one of you guys came on our stream before we started recording, but I said this to Uriah. I said, best case scenario, Maxi averages 16 and 6. Thibel hits decent volume of three-pointers at like 35-36%. Thibel can play more at least 20, 28 to 30 minutes because of the high volume and good three-point percentage. So that helps the defense. And Maxi, that's above-average starter criteria for, you know, assistant points. Now, obviously, we could get into the percentages, but let's not drag out the details there. But I think 
that if if the Sixers play well without Ben Simmons, um, that's good for the team. I don't know if that really helps his value, but it's good for the team that they can survive it. And then Ben's going to be like, oh, shoot, this is not working for me. What am I going to do now? Hey, guys, ever been trimming downstairs and cut yourself? Not a good feeling at all. The question is, how can you prevent pain and discomfort while grooming yourself? Well, I'm here to remind you about Manscaped with their Lawn Mower 4.0 trimmer. It features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. The Lawn Mower 4.0 also has a 4000K LED spotlight that you can turn on and off when needed for a more precise shave. And it's even waterproof so that you can trim in the shower. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and handle your trimming needs in a convenient and safe way by going to manscaped.com. Go to manscaped.com right now for 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. And now, back to the podcast. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Um, again, like with Maxi, I want to, I don't want to like, you know, get ahead of ourselves. You know, we have to make sure he can start before he's like an above average starter, but uh, it's certainly possible. Um, John, for you, what's the best case scenario for all this? Like, like, how does, what's the ideal scenario at this point? Is it been coming back and contributing? Is it been getting traded for, is it Damian Lillard asking out tomorrow? <laughs> What's the best case here? I mean, I think the best case is obviously Dame. I, I think the way it would work out, though, is you got to bring Ben back and let him sit and call his bluff. Don't take any – because the offers out there right now aren't the most ideal. So bring Ben back, let him miss training camp and lose like 200000 a day, and then have him sit until the trade deadline. I mean, even if Dame's not available at the trade deadline, I think there will be much better offers. Some teams that they think that think they can compete might make a better trade, but there's the possibility that by the time the trade deadline comes around, Portland realizes that they just don't have it and maybe Dame ass out. And that's just like the perfect ideal scenario that could happen. But I mean, yeah. And those trades that you're talking about don't have to wait until the trade deadline. If a team's struggling uh, out of the gate the first month, they might come back to Philly with a much better offer. It might not take until the trade deadline. Or, you know, Portland could, you know, offer CJ, Rocco, maybe Nazir Little, and a whole bunch of picks. Like, that's not a – like, obviously, you know, you would prefer Dame, but if they offer that, that's a hard turndown because I'm really high on CJ now. I wasn't at the beginning of this summer, but now I am, so. I, I don't think you're getting CJ and a whole bunch of picks. You're probably – doing one or the other if they get desperate chris Uh, if they get desperate i guess um yeah i mean obviously best worst case scenario at this point pretty much comes down to whatever they get in a trade um there's really no path to ben returning at least it doesn't seem like that's in the cards anymore so it'll all depend on what that trade is we'll probably be able to analyze or reanalyze it for the next decade after it happens so this is probably going to be an ongoing debate for quite a while. Um, but yeah, it, it, it kind of sucks. Uh, what do we think, John, was the moment that Ben realized, you know, I don't want to play for Philly again. What was like the tipping point for him? Do we think it was that Matisse Thibel missed layup thing? Do we think it was the Doc Rivers comment, the Joel Embiid comment? Uh, I mean, I think... I I think it was like he claims it's the Doc Rivers comment, which Doc Rivers did a full blown media tour today, like basically denying (laughs) saying what he said. Um, And if you play it back, like everything he was saying was just false. But I don't know if that was exactly it. It kind of seems to me like Ben's like he didn't necessarily know where he wanted to be when he signed the extension. And then, um, oh, I mean, not that he really had to say with the rookie contract, but like now he's wanting to go to LA he wants to live like a star kind of lifestyle like I think he wants to be famous with I don't know that he loves basketball so I think that he just kind of got to a point and he found things that he can use to say these are reasons I wanted it out and he seems to be harping on the 
Doc Rivers not believing that he could be a starting point guard on a championship team. But, I mean, I think it, it started before that earlier this season. I don't know if it's – that's a tough one. But I knew for a fact that he believed that as soon as he says it is what it is and I am who I am. That's when I saw, okay, he definitely believes he's not coming back because you don't say that. with the, If you want to be back here, you take accountability. You're not taking any accountability there. Yep. And that's when I knew he knew. Now, it could have happened, but that's his. that was his toe, in my opinion, of letting us know that he, he was done. That's, that's yeah. my opinion on it anyway. Yeah, obviously, like, there's been a lot of narrative pushing from both sides. So it, it's smart to take all these reports with a grain of salt. But I, I buy the fact that he probably wasn't too happy with what Doc said and with what Joel said out of context or not, which, as you said, John, the Doc stuff was definitely not out of context. Um, I, I buy that he was upset with that. He probably also went home and got on Instagram or Twitter and saw like a thousand death threats in the comments and was like, all right, maybe it's, you know, time to get out of here. I That's probably part of it, too. It's like when the entire fan base turns on you, it's probably not a great feeling. Yeah, and like Lucas was saying, like when he said, like, I am who I am, like he's in the postgame press conference defending or like saying how well he defended Trey Young. It's like that's not the time. Like this is the time to like take accountability and. It's the fact that he didn't take accountability. Well, I, I do want to say, like, if we run back the tape, he did say that he wasn't good enough offensively. Like, that's something he said in that press conference. He yeah. didn't gloss over it entirely. No, he didn't. But I think that, like, at that point, you have to know that, like, you – people aren't going to care that you locked up Trey Young. Like, that's not – I just thought it was probably not the time for that comment. But, yeah, I mean – yeah, I think Lucas is probably right. Like that's that should have been another signal to us too, like the way he replied responded. Hey, can yeah. I can I throw something in here, guys? Sure. Mm -hmm. So everything, like Lucas, great point. Jonathan, you're like the voice of sports talk radio for the entire city. I mean, I listen to both <laughs> WIP and 975 and this whole podcast, you've nailed pretty much everything. And Chris, you made a good point with the death threats. I mean, the 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 anger immediately after that loss against Atlanta was so intense. Uh, people posting videos of burning his jerseys and some guy was calling him a crumb bum and saying all types of really true, like hostile type stuff. Um, but at the same time, you have to consider uh, Simmons. He's just a, such a unique personality with how he approaches everything and he'll never take accountability and someone did on Sports Talk Radio, I can't take credit for this, someone said that if he had, I think it was Kyle Newbeck, he said that this morning. He said, as Simmons is looking at his future, would he rather go and come back and play for a team that, you know, the fan base hates his guts, or would he rather go to a new team and start over? Clearly, and this is to Chris's point, I think he wants to go somewhere and start over. Yeah, I agree with that. And, like, the personality thing, and John, you saying maybe he doesn't love basketball. My hang-up with that is he, he doesn't play like someone who's super arrogant. or Like, obviously, he needs to work on the jumper more. Maybe he has, like, misconceptions about his game. But, like, he plays defense as hard as anyone on the planet, and he's one of the smartest guys out there on the floor every time. Like, that's not generally the type of player who, like, quote-unquote, wants to star lifestyle and doesn't care about basketball. Like, he plays hard, and he does no. a lot of great things on the floor. He does play hard, but I think, like, he like if you follow his social media this summer, he is just feeding into it. Like, he's feeding into, like, the Sixers' hate. And, like, and I think he knows what he's doing. He's just saying, look at me enjoying my life. And I don't you, know. Let me jump in here because you bring that up, and it makes me think, and Max Kellerman said this on the new – uh him, um, Keyshawn Johnson, and Jay Williams show. What is it? K KJM or whatever. Anyway, he said this. It seems personal with the front office, with the fan base, everything that Ben's doing. This is not like this is not like what we saw with James Harden or Anthony uh, Davis. This is like a guy breaking up with his girlfriend, like a petty somebody petty breaking up with their significant other. Harden was pretty petty at the end. Though. Okay, at the end, but leading up to it, like they tried, they tried, and like I don't know, but this this seems personal. 
this seems almost personal to against the fan base yeah. against against the organization in, in particular to me anyway and i like like i said this came from max kellerman at first but i tend to agree with this i think this is personal for ben on some level yeah i mean i think it's kind of personal for everyone at this point um but let, let's talk about that doc rivers uh first take appearance that you alluded to earlier john uh, as you said, he kind of went on and just lied pretty consistently the whole time, which, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Obviously, the Sixers are in damage control mode to some degree. Doc, obviously, trying to run back that statement from after game seven, maybe, in hopes that it, you know, gets Ben to come back. Most likely a very futile attempt. But um, basically said, you know, hey, my comments were taken out of context. Not true. I do think we can win a championship with Ben and we want him back if he's willing to come back. So what were your takeaways from that, John? Um, do, do we believe doc? Do we think he's telling the truth at all? Or do you think he's just, you know, lying out the side of his mouth? So that... He's definitely lying out of the side of his mouth. I mean, everything he was saying was indirect, like direct contradiction to what he said earlier. And they had, uh, it's funny Uriah brought up like sports talk radio. I was listening to Mikey miss today and he said he reached out to uh, doc rivers and doc rivers wouldn't come on the show because he knew he'd ask him actual questions and follow up where Stephen a and max probably had cues not to follow up and to kind of talk and be on the side of doc rivers. But I just think that it's just false. What he was saying, like he was directly contradicting what he said after game seven. Do I believe him? I think what he was saying was blowing smoke, but I think there is an ounce of truth to it in the terms of he knows the Sixers were probably going to struggle without Ben, and he doesn't want to go to a struggling team. That's not who Doc Rivers is. So, of course, there's a level of him that would like Ben back, at least in the short term, and he probably wants him back as like a way to get better players around Joel in the long term as well. But do does that mean that he wants Ben back Forever? No, I don't. I don't think so. I think that that is the proverbial blowing the smoke, as it were. Um, and so there, there's levels to this. I think there is some truth in it, but contextually, in terms of do we want Joel uh, not Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons back for long term? No, that's not good for the franchise. That's that's not good for anybody. But does he want him back in the short term? Sure, because he probably wants better players to surround. Not better, but he wants to surround Joel Embiid with players that are more complimentary and probably are uh, good, as good, if not better. So yeah. that's 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 where I'm looking at it from. Yeah, look, I have no doubt that Doc would prefer that Ben comes back and plays. I think that's clearly what the Sixers front office would prefer, but it, it's just not going to happen at this point. And he clearly was lying in service of that goal. Like, again, anyone with internet connection can go back and read the quotes from Game 7. It's pretty clear that he was calling into question Ben's ability uh, to be a championship point guard. Whether we want to say, oh, he just said point guard, not player, et cetera, et cetera, fine. Sure, we can have that conversation. But clearly what Joel and what Doc said rubbed Ben the wrong way. And we haven't heard Doc make a public statement about it for three months. So whatever the hangup was there, whether it was, you know, him not going on radio shows because he didn't want to answer real questions or whatever, it took him three months to come out and say this. And we're a week from training camp. So it feels like a little bit too little too late from doc. If, if truthfully he wanted to like repair the situation, again, both sides are clearly trying to get as much leverage as possible at this point. The Sixers saying they want Ben back, that they're trying to get him back, maybe helps them get a little bit more leverage in these trade conversations because they aren't trying to rush him out the door per se. But yeah, I clearly he was stretching the truth to an extensive degree at, at best uh, <laughs> in service of damage control. And that's more than fair, but let's go ahead and switch gears now. And let's, and let's talk a little bit more about Ben Simmons and how this situation might impact the team if he's still on the roster when the season starts. So, Jonathan, let me ask you this. How much does Ben Simmons sitting out of games help or hurt the Sixers? I don't think it really hurts them that much. I think, like, 
the Sixers can win regular season games with or without Ben, and he clearly doesn't show up in the playoffs. So, it like I think him sitting out isn't as bad as people think. Like you just go on play the regular season with a team that you know can't compete for a championship, but it's not like you can compete for a championship with Ben either. So, just play until the trade deadline and see if any better deals come up. Wow. Okay. That those are those are definitely fighting words. I don't. Yeah, you, Chris, you got any rebuttal to that? I, I mean, I, clearly, I'm in agreement with John in the sense that what matters most to Philly next year is what happens after the trade deadline. Like, as long as they're in the playoff hunt, they probably don't care much about seeding. Like, they're not going to be the one seed if this Ben thing drags on for a little bit. It's just not going to be in the cards. But that doesn't really matter as long as they can make a reasonable trade by the trade deadline. That's what's really important. Um, but, like, they'll be a worse team without Ben. They'll be a worse team on both sides of the ball. I know the fit isn't good offensively, but as much as I love Tyrese Maxey or Matisse Seibel or, God forbid, Shake Milton, whoever you put in there, <laughs> they're not going to be better offensively. Ben has a pretty significant amount of value as a playmaker and a guy who can push the ball in transition. Maxey gets to the rim. Maxey's fast. He can get out in transition, but he's just not the creator for others that Ben is. They're going to lose a lot in that department. Danny Green and Seth Curry are going to suffer because Ben's not on the floor. Then obviously defensively, you're never going to have a like terrible defense with Joel there because he's a, a one-man system. But without Ben complimenting him, again, Ben was, to most people in Philly, the defensive player of the year last year. They're going to take a step back, especially if his replacement is Maxi, who cannot defend very well and is six foot two, or if it's Shake, or if it's CJ McCollum, who's six three and can't defend very well. Like they're going to take a step back defensively without Ben. So I, I think it will hurt in the short term, but the the real concern for Philly is what happens in March, not what happens in October. Let me rebuttal with you on one thing there, Chris. Uh, first off, we never seen CJ guard point guards on a consistent basis, so I'll reserve judgment there. But you said that you know Joel Embiid's a one-man system. He's been up there a few times with Rudy Gobert as his runner-up for Defensive Player of the Year. Without Ben, he's going to have more defensive responsibilities. And are you saying that you don't think that Joel can't rise to the same level as Rudy Gobert in terms of you okay. know, anchoring the defense as well as he does? Because they don't have any other elite perimeter defenders. Donovan Mitchell's undersized as a shooting guard. Mike Conley is good for his position, but he is getting older. Same thing with Joe Ingles. Same thing with Bogdanovich. Like, okay, they have um, Royce O'Neal, who is probably an above-average 3-and-D guy, but He's not anything spectacular either, so. I have no doubt that Joel can step up. They're not going to be a better team defensively, though. And No, they're not going to be as good as the Jazz on defense. Like, I'm pretty confident in saying that. Well, how? what is the gap? If we're, like, if we're using... Cause if we it's about Joel like, Embiid and then Tobias, Danny, Seth, and Maxi, if that's what they're running out, I think it's a pretty significant gap. If it's Thibault instead of Maxi or Thibel and Maxi and Seth sits, whatever it is, then they're maybe cooking with grease a bit, but it's it's not going to be quite the same because well, Ben's just – I, I was actually going to ask you the gap between Joel and Gobert on defense because I don't think it's very much at all. No, I mean, like, Embiid's one of the five most impactful defenders in the NBA. Like, he's great. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to slight Joel. I, do, I think the Sixers drop from being a top five to a top ten defense. That, that's that's the drop off I see, which I still don't think is bad at all. Maybe, but it is a drop, and the offense is going to take a step back too, and they're just not going to be the best team in the East anymore. Oh, of course. As, until they make a trade, no, they're not going to be a top three team in the East. They might even struggle to be a top six team. It depends on, you know, health and, you know, just how well, you know, Maxi comes out. And like I said earlier, you know, if Maxi's averaging 16 and 6, then maybe they're okay. But, you know, that's a big if, like you said, as a retort to that. But let me go ahead and, and talk, ask Jonathan this question here. Do we think that his Sixers teammates uh, resent Ben moving forward or uh, they understand the business side of Ben's situation? So I think they resent him because I think this situation is unlike any other, like, you brought up Levy and Bell earlier. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking about another football example. T.J. Watt this year 
yeah, held out uh, in training camp because he, but he was in the last year of his rookie contract. Yeah. Uh, ben Roethlisberger defended him. I think other teammates defended him. And I think that happens in across all professional sports leagues in the fact, like if you're waiting to get an extension or you're waiting to, you have one year left on your deal. This thing with Ben is unprecedented. Like no one's ever seen someone try to do this with four years left on their contract. So in that sense, I think if people are going to publicly say they don't resent him, like MB did a couple weeks ago, I mean, that's fine. But I think deep down, I, I don't think his teammates can be happy with this. Gris? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they're not happy with it. I, I don't think they hate him as much as the fan base. Like, you know, Danny Green, Joel, all, Maxie, all those guys have talked positively about Ben this summer. I, I think generally players have a different viewpoint as far as like league operations go than you know a fan or a team but um i don't know if there's resentment there there might be annoyance the resentment might grow if this holdout like continues on and the sixers look really bad to start the season like things can change Mm -hmm. and every player is going to have a different viewpoint on it but i i don't think it's anything like how the fan base resents him i don't i don't think the feelings are the same there well i mean i'll say this after Danny Green's wedding, you know, he seemed optimistic about Ben, you know, potentially coming back. And then I don't know if it was his podcast or somebody else's, but he was talking about how when he was talking about how he had to become the team's best perimeter defender, like there was a level of like, like, I don't know if it was giving up or acceptance that Ben is not going to be there, but it was almost sound like he was a little agitated by it. I don't know. Um, but that that's I, I think there's agitation like Chris like you said there is a level of annoyance maybe uh, or agitation due to the situation but straight up resentment I don't think so and I will say this I, I think Joel Embiid was full of it I think he said what he had to say and maybe he doesn't hate doesn't resent Ben as a person or maybe maybe he does now I don't know but you know, basketball, I don't know. This it just seems messy. I, I think there could be a level of resentment based on how the team performs, like you said, Chris. Yeah, I mean, look, last year, by all accounts, Joel and Ben's relationship was stronger than it had ever been. And, I mean, I think there's a real chance that Joel kind of regrets what he said after Game 7, if it really did piss off Ben as much as it seems like it did. Like, there's a chance that there's some regret there and that Joel's like, hey, guys, like, calm down. We want him back. Uh, but clearly he's not going to come back. So mm-hmm. that too, as as was Doc's first take appearance, kind of a futile effort at damage control. But I, I, I don't think his teammates like hate his guts. I, I don't think that's right. No, I don't think that either. Um, last little bit here. Um, and Jonathan, let me ask you, how does Ben Simmons' situation impact the NBA as a whole? And do you think Adam Silver will have to – get involved if this continues to drag out at the moment. I don't think he has to just yet, but I think he should keep his phone on loud and get some basketball notifications for this. Because I mean, if this goes the wrong way, this could set like LeBron changed the dynamic of the NBA with players having more power with his decision, Mm -hmm. but that was to, and I think a healthy extent, if you're having players who are stars who are able to force themselves out of contracts, they just signed and this is the like this is the new thing that Ben's the first person to do that i i think that's just awful for the league and if it gets ugly going forward i think adam silver might have to get involved so i i think one important detail about that is that ben isn't necessarily trying to force himself to like a big market or a specific team that's true i i do think it's like he's willing to go to all 29 teams so i think it's sort of unique in that way and that he just really wants out of philly and he's not, like, trying to go to the Knicks. Like, if Zion tries to get out of New Orleans at some point, which is the big talk of the town right now, he's probably going to try to go to the Knicks. I, that's not what Ben's doing, right? Like, he he just clearly, whether we were going with Kyle Newbeck's storyline, wants to start over, whether he just absolutely despises Joel Embiid and Doc Rivers. Like, he just wants to get out. So I think it's sort of unique in that sense. And I don't think Adam Silver's going to step in for this particular trade saga but i do think it's something where like the next cba meetings between the players and the owners you know they're probably going to talk about it and that's Mm going to be a point of contention i think that's when it'll like pop up again 
But I don't think Silver's going to be like, hey, Ben, you have to play or we're voiding your contract or something like that. Well, I, I don't think I don't I don't think that the voiding will happen, but I think there will be a lot of fines. And but you guys hit the nail so, on the head everywhere else in terms of how this will pack, impact the NBA's in the future. The thing DBA the thing talks the, for sure. The fines though is like Brian Winhorse has talked about it. I think you mentioned it on the Yeah, he, he so so he got 25% of his contract July 1st. No, Ben gets $16 million. Like, yeah, no, 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 no. He gets 16 million. Yeah, yeah, he gets half his contract before the beginning of the season. He's already yeah. gotten 20, 25% of his contract, the first 8 point whatever yeah, in July. So. He's going to get the second 8 point whatever in at the beginning of October. And then he won't start getting game checks until November. And that's when they can start finding him as yeah. all those game checks. So Ben's going to have $16 million in his bank account. That's true. His next team can void all the fines that are going to be assessed to him. If he is traded before those fines start taking place. That means yeah. if he gets traded before November whatever, I think it's like November 16th. I'm not sure, though. Don't quote me on that, guys. But if he's traded before, then, then yes, they can void it. But and so, yeah. Kendrick and, Pe- and Kendrick and Kendrick Perkins it said it like this, and he's a player. He, he got fined a lot, so I'm going to trust his his knowledge on this. They don't give you an IOU. They don't give you a pink slip. They take it out of your check before it hits your bank account. So it's not like it went, whenever the Sixers fines hit in November, is it might just be like, and it could. What do we say? Like uh, a million dollars over a million dollars a week. Yeah, one point three. I think it's like two fifty a day, something like yeah, that. Yeah, so so one point three million a week from let's say September. So September twenty seventh, basically to November. That's like what eight uh, six to seven weeks at least. I, I'm just doing the math off my head here. I could be wrong. It could be more. But I would imagine at least six to seven so weeks. The thing is, he's just not going to care about that until after the trade deadline. And yeah. if Philly's going to call it his bluff to the point of keeping him on the roster until after the trade deadline, then maybe he shows back up. But until then, he's fine. He probably doesn't care. You I mean, he's probably he's probably smart. And honestly, like, part of me thinks that he's been planning this for a while. Like, the conspiracy theorist in me, I could be completely wrong. He could... He could have been planning this for a while, so he's probably, even though he just bought a house in you know California, he could still have plenty of money stored away just in case this does like you know. He makes thirty million. Yeah, a year. He has yeah. plenty of money. Well, he's that's not so run out of money. Yeah, that's so he's going to lose what fifteen million, and be, let's be like conservative. He makes over, he'll make over three hundred million in his career. That's like five yeah. percent. So he doesn't care about that. But one he of the is, things that I was curious and, about is like, um people are wondering if the Sixers, like obviously you see Doc come on and defend Ben today. So people are wondering, like, are the Sixers going to enforce the fines that eat like even? Cause like, if you want, if they truly do want Ben back, you're not going to make him pay these fines. But if you don't make him pay these fines, you're just kind of enabling him. Well, well that, and that's, that's the tricky part here. And the other thing that I would say is that if you enforce these fines, it might hurt your relationship moving forward with negotiating other long-term deals yeah i think the flip side is like if you don't enforce the fines then what's the reason for ben to come back then there's like no incentive for him exactly you're not i don't see josh harris is not the type of owner that's going to play pay somebody to sit home here's what's interesting that i heard on the radio today a guy called in he said i'm a contractor obviously he does you know stuff for how it builds houses whatever he does and he Mm -hmm. said that if someone hires him uh to do a job and they pay him up front, you know, whether it's 50% or 35%, whatever. And he doesn't render services as a breach of contract. And that company, whoever hired him, can sue him to get that money back. So it's just, it's interesting how this. this and that's where the NBA would go in, Uri. That's that's when the NBA would step in. It would be right. a breach of contract at that point. Right. That, wouldn't be the, that wouldn't be on the Sixers level anymore. That would be an MB. That would be an Adam Silver thing, and that's where I think it's headed. I think you mentioned that earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but again, like none of that matters until after the trade deadline, and I don't think any of the, any of us think it's going to get to that point. Like, no, I I think 
And I, I would I would imagine that after like the first month of Ben sitting out, Adam Silver would get involved way before the trade deadline. But I don't I think he'll reach that part. I don't think so. I'm, I I think it, I don't think Adam Silver wants wants to set this precedence. Like I know he's all about player empowerment, but there is a fine line of it, and this would definitely be crossing that line. Yeah. And I don't well, think. I mean, there are like CB. There are rules in place. Like Adam can't make him show up. No, he's not going to make him show up. But he's going to find him beyond this. What what the Sixers are already finding him. That's Maybe. that's the difference. Or withholding his paychecks. Yeah, well, that's all possible. Um, let let's talk about something else though. Let's let's switch gears. Okay, um, <laughs> we're going to talk about um, John Wall because. We've reached that point of the offseason. And, dude, we have. Let's go. Uh, so, John Wall wants a trade out of Houston. I know where Uriah might take this. John Wall is making $44.3 million this season. He has a player option for 47 point something next year. He wants a trade from Houston. The Rockets have agreed to look for a trade with him. Uh, naturally, the Sixers have come into the conversation with Ben wanting out. There's a report from someone who does not have any readily apparent connections to Houston saying that the Rockets won't been on the roster before training camp, which would be like five days from now. Do we see any semblance of a possibility that there's a John Wall, Ben Simmons exchange come down the pipeline? Do we well, think wait, wait, wait. So who is the person that made that, that assertion? I don't remember. He's, I do not think he's incredible. He was it, like it, it wasn't Kendrick, was it? No, it, it was someone I've never heard of. Okay, um, sorry. John, do you think it's? Do you think Philly would even go there? Do you think that's a? I mean, what, so what I have an article. I think it's coming out tomorrow for the pro John Wall uh, trade. I don't want it to get. Don't want to get it twisted though. I'm not here, like the number one fan. Like we need John Wall. Bring him over. Like I, I'm not sold on the trade yet. I'm just thinking of the possible pros and. I mean, obviously, number one is you get Ben out. And I think number two is that you think about all of these other trades are people are devaluing what Ben's worth, obviously, because of the situation that's going on. But you get multiple players back as opposed to getting one player back that can contribute. And I know his contract's awful. It's horrible. But you're still paying like you're probably paying 10 million more than what you're paying Ben. And the player option, I think, obviously, he would be dumb not to opt into that but I think he's more he would be more interested in talking of a buyout next year as opposed to this year so I think you I'm starting to convince myself day by day I don't think it's the worst thing in the world but I'm not completely sold on it yet okay so here my I'm gonna rebut I'm sorry Lucas I can't it's okay it's okay go ahead all right you trade for John Wall you have him and Tobias and at least until next like no one's trading for John Wall after that that's one of my concerns. And no one's trading for Tobias. It makes it harder to, like, trade for another star afterwards. B, even with, like, teams devaluing Ben, if you can get Malik Beasley and Patrick Beverly from Minnesota, that's an infinitely better package. And those guys help you way more than John Wall, in my opinion. Like, Beasley's a flat-out better player right now. How, and he's younger, <clears throat> and he's on a better contract. Why do you say, <clears throat> like, no one will trade for Wall after this year? I think he has so much to prove i think he knows that like he's well aware that people are sleeping it's on him not, i mean he's 30 not it's not he's that though is, 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 an injury. He he's 31 he's 31 that's uh, that's pretty old in point that's, guard years the wrong side of 30 and i he's mean six, he's three. faster than probably anyone but the thing is unlike Fox. unlike unlike chris paul and kyle lowry he relies on his athleticism too much and that's the issue I think he can learn. All I'm saying is, I think he could learn to adapt, and I and I think that he knows that if he wants to get a contract after this, his contract will be up when he's 32. That he needs to perform. So well, this is like a trial okay. for him too. Okay, well, okay. Hold, hold, hold up, hold up. I'm gonna say this right now. It's not that John Wall is a bad player. I don't think any of us think that he's a bad. He averaged twenty and and seven last year on okay shooting, not great, but okay. Yeah. The, the 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 issue with John Wall Very right now great. is is the money. Is the money? Would if he, if he was making like let let's just say he was making tw- uh, twenty million a year versus what he's making right now, 
You know how many people would love to trade for him? I know the Clippers would probably want him over Eric Bledsoe. No, no, no. John Wall on $20 million is still a bad contract. But it's a lot more tradable than what it – okay. Sure. I would trade for Andrew Wiggins before I trade for John Wall. That's Wow. Crazy. Wow. Uriah? I think okay. Uriah? More valuable to the Yeah, Uriah. You, you want to jump in on this one? I really want no parts of John Wall. I, I agree. I, 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 don't, okay. I wouldn't want John let Wall me, either. Let me tell I, you I mean, why. It, let me tell you what. Hold on, Lucas, real quick. So I firmly believe that Ben deserves to sit until Maury can find the best deal. And if that means waiting months before Damian Lillard and Bradley Beal become disgruntled because their teams underperform, then that's what it's going to be. But I'm not going to pull the trigger and get a 31-year-old point guard like Lucas was saying. That's that's a that's a lot of years in point guard. And a guy that's making so much money, he's making more than Tobias Harris. You and, and the other thing, Jonathan, you would have to include either Seth Curry or Danny Green to make the money match. Yeah, you're giving extra stuff up to get Wald. Like, I don't buy that he can adapt thing. He's so ball dominant and depended on, like, him handling the ball and using that athleticism. If he loses another step at any point, He's not a great shooter. He's a pretty poor defender at this point. Like, he goes from being a starter to being a backup. Where else quickly. does he contribute? I just want to clear the air. I am not pro John Wall. I was just playing okay. the, <laughs> playing okay. the devil's advocate because I okay. think I don't okay. have Twitter. Good thing I don't okay. have Twitter, so people come after me. But um, I just think that people follow him are, on Instagram. <laughs> I think there are benefits to John Wall, uh, but I am not sitting here saying I need the trade to happen. Okay. That's, 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 that's fair. That's fair. But I, with John wall, like, I think he could still be a starter on the majority teams as the player that he was last year. I think that's possible. I, okay. Well, here's the thing is Houston's obviously a very unique situation, right? Cause they're yeah. young and they want to play the young guys and you they want to start either Jalen green or Kevin Porter. Yeah, Jr. But he's guards. not going to start on Houston. How many teams, honestly speaking, are we like John Wall is for sure the starter there if he gets bought out? Hang on, let me pull up. Let me pull up a list of teams so I can think about this because I'm not. Gonna, it's going to be hard for me to pull it from the top of my. I don't want to go like all down the list and spend. Uh, Boston, he would be better He's than not, Schroeder. better than him. Nah, thousand percent. Schroeder's nah. smart. <laughs> I'm not starting John Wall there. No uh, contender. No serious contender. If we go through John every Wall. team, this will take forever. Okay, yeah. fine, fine, fine. <laughs> I would say the Clippers, uh, but. Okay. Anyway, not the point. Um, so let's talk about Houston as a concept here. Even if they want Ben, it's probably not going to be for John Wall. I think we're all on the same page. Yeah. But do we think the bridge is burned? Obviously, Houston kind of. You, you're stealing my. Uh, oh, wait a second. No, this is your thunder. My bad. This is your. I was about to say you're stealing my thunder, but then I realized this is your section. My bad. Um. Yeah. Look. Houston turned down the Ben Simmons, Matisse Thibault plus picks offer for James Harden. Whether we think that was because they hate Daryl Morey or because they wanted eight picks from Brooklyn, we can debate forever. Do we think the bridge is burned there? Clearly, there is there was a pretty significant fallout when Morey decided he was going to leave. I don't think Tillman for Tita particularly appreciated that decision from Daryl. Do we think the bridge is burned? Do we think Houston's even worth talking about in this Ben Simmons saga? Well, if Houston wants Ben, then sure, because Daryl's not the take the type of guy that takes things personally. I mean, if he did, then this Ben Simmons thing would have you know been you know fixed, like not fixed, but it would have been settled months ago. He's not the type. He's he's a very analytical guy. He's very practical. You know, he's not going to hold grudges in terms of you know like doing a deal because he's going to get the best deal out of that he can. It's not so much of a. You know, oh, you hurt my feelings, or you know, you didn't take my trade before. No, he he he's gonna go back to the table with Houston if Houston wants to talk. I think this might Chris might have been thinking about the other side. Like, I don't think Tillman wants to deal with us, but if he's getting Ben Simmons in return for a John Wall deal or something like that, like Ben Simmons can help be a part of their young roster that they're building. So, I, I mean, I think he is petty, uh, clearly after with like the Harden drama. So, I'm not sure that he'll deal with us in good faith but i think he should if he's getting simmons and he wants him to be a part of the young core yeah and let's look at it from this perspective they took four first round picks four pick swaps and like jared allen and karis levert who they didn't get they traded away (sighs) they basically got eight picks more or less for james harden 
they passed up to get him reportedly Ben Simmons, Matisse Thibel in two firsts, I think it was. So clearly they don't have like the highest approximation of Ben Simmons talents. They're not going to shell out like eight of their picks for Ben or five Mm. or four. Like clearly they don't value Ben enough to, even if they were petty, like, like I don't know if they even want Ben. I don't know if we should even be talking about them because they've already passed up on the chance to get him with Mm -hmm. other stuff in the past like I, I just don't know what else they'd be willing to give up now they're a rebuilding team why do you want to trade all those picks for a guy that's gonna put you i in mean like and players? honestly where does ben really i mean maybe at the small forward position but he's not a small forward you think about it you got a backcourt of kevin porter jr and Jalen green you have christian wood and alberine sangoon with uh uh, Goom, Goobraba, I can't pronounce his name. Uh, Garuba. Yeah, Garuba. Look, like they don't matter. Like small forward point guard, he can fit on that team if they really wanted him. Mm-hmm. Like you can, Ben and Jalen Green would look. That'd be a really cool combination. Like that'd be fun to watch. But mm-hmm. I just don't see why at this point in their rebuild, which is very early. They'd yeah. be going for Ben. Yeah, the, this is like a move that like a team like like you know Cleveland would make. That that makes sense for them. But like honestly, if they want to get rid of John Wall, they're gonna have to take on another bad contract. They might have to take on Kevin Love, but that Kevin Love makes more sense on that team. But John Wall does not make more sense on the Cavaliers. So you know, it's it's a mess for them for sure. Um, I wouldn't say that. I don't know. I don't know if the bridge is burnt, but I it just doesn't seem like an. I mean, like he would fit great on that team, but there's no clear path of getting him on that team. So, but let's go ahead and switch gears for the last time. And we're going to talk about a former Sixer that uh, has announced that he is retiring from the franchise. That would be, of course, JJ Redick. Reddick came in towards the tail end of his career, had his best last two seasons with the Sixers before, you know, going to the Pelicans and then Dallas last year. Um, So, Jonathan, let me ask you this first. What comes to your mind when you first think about J.J. Reddick? I mean, I think you said I've been on the show six or seven times. I've probably slipped this in almost every time I've been on. But him and Embiid had the best two-man game that I've seen, like, ever. And I always mm-hmm. come back to that. Like that high pick and roll was truly unstoppable. And I mean, that's what I always think about when I think about him. He was a good class act veteran guy. And I think he fit well with this team. I'm kind of sad we couldn't be the team to help him get a championship. Yeah, for sure. Chris? Yeah, no, I mean, that's pretty much where my mind goes to. Um, JJ came around pretty close to the beginning of my time covering the team. Um, like my that first real run of success was the year that JJ arrived, you know, that Miami heat series, all that, that, that was when JJ came on board. So that was probably the two most entertaining sixer seasons um, that I've covered so far. And and JJ was a part of them or at least. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just very fond memories for me. Um, one of the greatest shooters of all time. So there's not much more to say about it. Yeah, uh, JJ definitely. What uh, when it comes to my mind, and I've I wrote about this several times. Um, JJ has the single season record for made three pointers for the Sixers with 240. He is, I believe, sixth. I could be wrong. I believe, but I believe he is sixth all time in made three pointers for the Sixers, and fourth in three point percentage. I could have those last two places mixed up, but I'm pretty sure that's it. I think only uh, Seth Curry, Dana Burris, um, and Kyle Korver have higher three-point percentages than J.J. Reddick. So not only was he a great two-man game, like Jonathan said, and that he was the beacon the re the you know the process changing into the results uh, but he was one of the best three-point shooters in the Sixers franchise history and you you have to imagine if he stick stuck around for another season or two that he could have ended up being the all-time leader in three-point maids 
actually, I think that's Allen Iverson, but um, that was just because I, AI was here for so long. Um, but regardless, he could have been one of the top three points. He already is, but he could have even been higher on the list in terms of three point as a three point shooter in franchise history. Um, but I guess we kind of already talked about how he was remembered too. Um, any any other things with JJ Redick that you guys want to touch on? I have quick? to say, I, I have to say, um, Chris, this is for you. Uh, so JJ Redick has a very successful podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the Old Man and the Three, something like that. Yep. Um, guess who his guest is next, Chris? For oh, it's Matisse. Oh, he he's been paying attention. All right, just thought mm-hmm. Chris would know. Well, that was that really for Chris, or was that for you, Uriah? I, I think you know the answer to that. I wasn't sure if I wasn't sure if the answer was going to be Uriah with Tobias retweeting him. Oh yeah, I, hey yeah, JJ reached out to me. I, I'll be on in next month. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> talking about Ben. Okay, Uriah, you want to um, finish us out with that uh, social media question of the week? Okay, the social media question of the week is: Who stands to benefit most from Ben Simmons sitting out? The options were Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris, Matisse Thybul, and Tyrese Maxey. And overwhelmingly, 70% of the people who voted thought that Tyrese Maxey is going to benefit most. Jonathan, what's your opinion? Yeah, I mean, I agree with the people. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense, too, if you think about it, because Maxey's going to get more playing time than anybody else. He's going to have full reins of the offense. Joel Embiid, we know what Joel Embiid can do with or without Ben already. We've seen it. Joel Embiid might will have to take on more of a scoring load, but in terms of benefit from like growth in their game overall, it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be Maxi easily. Okay, so I've thought a lot about this today. Um, I'll give a little backstory on this question. Um, when Uriah initially like sent it to us in the flag, he had five names listed. And I was Shake was the fifth name. And I was like, we can only do four for a Twitter poll. So let's just cut Shake, right? Of course, of course because. All know. right. So I've been thinking about this. The whole conversation all summer is like, Tyrese Maxey, Tyrese Maxey, Tyrese Maxey. He's going to start because Ben is gone. He's going to be the backup point guard. Everyone was assuming that Shake was kind of getting pushed to the side, right? Well, if Ben's out of the rotation, they're going to run 10 deep. Shake has a spot. Yes, now, he does. Like, for yes. sure. Yeah. And all last season, right up until the second round of the playoffs, who did Doc Rivers play religiously more than Tyrese Maxey? Oh, boy. Jake Milton. Milton. Yeah. yeah. Who does Doc Rivers have an unreasonable amount of confidence in? Who has Doc Rivers gone to time and time again when no one else would do it? It's but, but, Jake but, Milton. okay, Chris, to be fair, he did give up on that faith on Jake Milton after that first round. Not no. in game two when he not in game two, he but saved the season. And then Shake saved the season, and then he went to Shake in game seven in the fourth <laughs> quarter. It was Shake freaking Milton on the floor for the Philadelphia 76ers. Yeah, at that point though, but throws. Chris, at that point, but, but but at that point, was Ben really being a plus? Like I... you gotta roll the dice on Shake at that point. Okay, well, Ben's not gonna be a plus when he's sitting at home. I wrote an article pitching three potential starting lineup combinations, all involved uh-huh. either Maxi, Thibel, or both of them. I think it's a real possibility that Shake is the guy who steps uh-huh. into that starting five. I think. I that's mean, like I mean, but but to be fair, Brett did that. Brett did I know. That. Shake has starting experience. Shake was a thirteen point per game scorer last season. As much as I've like dumped on him because he wasn't very good, he did produce. In like the in Doc clearly has confidence in him. Shake is not as small as Tyrese. He's six five. You keep Wait a, a little bit of the size. Not he, is Chris head. sounding like Chris me said, right now? Chris oh is sounding God. like me right now. I do now. not want Shake Milton to start. I do Chris, you're sounding Shake like Milton me right now. This is very strange like, for me. I do Sounds not like want you do. Shake Milton to be the primary beneficiary of this Ben thing. But Sounds I like think you. honestly, it might be Shake Milton. <laughs> We'll definitely. I think it depends on how much Maxi grow. I mean, the preseason is going to tell a lot. That's that's you bring up a very good point, and I will say this: preseason will tell a lot because we don't know if who knows. We haven't seen videos of Shake, but Shake could have been putting in work this summer. 
who knows? I He's a very expect, hard worker. I didn't expect those gears to grind in Chris's head when it came to Shake. Uh, I, I thought that more people would think that Embiid could benefit, maybe maybe 30 40%, just because Ben's not going to clog up the middle and – not but like we've shoot. seen what Joel looks like with him, like he's dominant with or without Ben. Like that's not really the question here. Yeah, yeah, yeah and he's sure. not going to benefit on defense because he's going to work twice as hard now. Like Chris said earlier, well, he'll he'll get more blocks. His his defensive stats will go up. I mean, but he's going to have to do more work. Is and is that really a benefit of you know potentially putting Joel and beat in more foul trouble? Because your perimeter defense isn't as hey, good. But look who his backup is. They got Andre Drummond. He can <laughs> he can get up and do some crazy dunks, right, Lucas? Uh, yeah, yeah, more like tippins, more like tippins. Yeah, because you know all them all the food. That, I don't know what happened to Andre Drummond because those months off in Cleveland did not do him any favors because he looked so out of shape when he was he in wanted out of Cleveland. I don't know. I mean, it sounded like they didn't want him there because he was playing. He was at the beginning of last oh. year. He was playing very well at the beginning of last year before they asked him to sit. He absolutely wanted out of Cleveland. Yeah. Like, did he want to sit? Probably not. But he didn't want to play for Cleveland the rest of that contract. <laughs> um, yeah, look, I, I mean, I have a lot of confidence in Maxi, and I think he's obviously going to take a step forward. I feel like that's kind of a given. Maybe not as biggest step as people are projecting onto him like i do think we should like, hold back a little bit until we see it happen mm-hmm. because he did average 16 minutes a game last season Ooh, you know for a coach that doesn't like to play rookies yeah that's pretty I, I good know. <laughs> great and he works his tail off and i i think he'll take a step forward but that coach is still the coach <laughs> but he's not a rookie anymore shake milton is not a rookie either He's one year ahead of no, two years ahead of him. It's not like there's a big age gap. It's not like Shake Moan's twenty eight. Outplayed Tyrese like every game except for two playoff games last season. I think there's a chance that both A, I think Who do you trust of, more running your offense? Maxi will definitely benefit. Who who would you trust that. more running your offense, Chris? I I mean Ideally, neither of them, but probably Maxi. Maxi's okay. better. I think okay. Max, I'm not saying. Okay. But who do I think is in a better situation now because Ben is gone than he was a week ago? It's Shake. That's actually a fair point because, like you said, he's guaranteed to get minutes now because they don't. And this is the thing that, and I and I told you guys this that they don't have any veteran point guards. And look, and this really bothers me. Like. Heck, go get DJ Augustine. I know he sucked last year, but at least he's what? a veteran that can. Oh my. It's time I to go. It's time it to totally go. This dude brought up no, DJ no, no. I want to say one more thing. I think it's fair to say that Maxi probably at this point in his career is better as a six man, where he can like elevate those bench units when Joel sits. I agree with that. And if that's okay, your fair take enough. on the issue, then he's probably going to start shake. Like that seems pretty reasonable to me. Not, it's not ideal. Hey, hey, well, question: If you start shake, can you still start shake and Curry? Or are you going to have to start Thibel? It's not ideal, but with shake size, you could actually still you can have him guard twos. Yeah, shake can guard threes, but someone's going to have to guard the point guards, and it's either going to be Curry, Green, or Shake. None of which are ideal. I mean, but technically, Ben didn't guard point guards most of last year either. So uh, well, yeah, I know. Well, yeah, so, he got so it he, a lot of lead ball handlers. Yeah, he, he was the main guy there. All right, but, guys, we got we gotta get out of here. Uh, is it because I said DJ Augustine? No, no, on wall over now. <laughs> For Jeff. yeah, backup point guard John Wall. Um, All right, Chris, do you want to play us out, man? All right, y'all. Um, it's a big week. Um, Jonathan's fantasy football team is going to be one and two come Tuesday afternoon. All right, I'm coming uh, on next week when I beat you. Yeah, if it's he beats you, happen. he has to come on. He has to come on. I don't care I'm, who else. He's going to come on for the first, like, minute, or two, two, three minutes of the podcast. He's going to say his piece, and then we're going to get into that's it. That's all I need. That's, that's fine. That's fine. I mean, the grieving process is a difficult one. <laughs> <I understand. laughs> Chris, um, stop talking about yourself. Look, 
Lucas is 0-2, so he's going through it right now. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that my team outscored your he's, team both times, and you're playing against fight. easier competition than I am. I'm getting the hard – I'm like the I'm like the Cowboys right oh. now with the hardest schedule to begin the season. I don't even like the Cowboys. Yeah. They're my rivals, but they have the roughest schedule to begin Come the season. On. Either that or the Raiders. Land the plane, guys. Land the plane. <laughs> Chris keeps on talking smack your eye. I can't help it. Take right. it out, Chris. It's it's all good. Uh Lucas is kinda like the Timberwolves where they aren't trading their good players even though they're losing. Um you can't see what I'm doing right now, Chris, but I am. I'm gesturing to the computer. <laughs> all right. Um, to all the <laughs> listeners, as always, thank you for tuning in to the Six Sense podcast. We really appreciate it. If you can like, subscribe, follow along on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google Play, wherever you can listen, that would really help us out. You can follow our work on the site as well at thesixersense.com. Follow us on Twitter at Sense. And until next week, when training camp is about starting up, media day is Monday. We'll have a lot to talk about, I'm sure. We will talk to you then. Peace out, everyone. Uh, sorry, John, that you're going to lose. It's all good, though. Bye, everyone. <laughs> After the holidays, a little cash goes a long way. The Chime Checking account has tons of benefits to help, like fee-free overdraft up to $200 for eligible members, no monthly fees, and thousands of fee-free ATMs. You can even get paid up to two days early with direct deposit. Sign up for Chime today at chime.com goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA members of FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply. Access to direct deposits up to two days early depends on the timing of the submission of the payment file from the payer.